Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Mag Heroes, a podcast about people who make magazines. I'm Dan Rowden, founder of Magpie. This week I had a chat with Kai Brack, editor of Offscreen, a recently relaunched magazine that focuses on the human side of technology. I've been a fan of Offscreen since issue one way back in 2012 and have loved watching Kai grow the magazine. In our conversation, we talked in depth about Kai's custom ordering and subscription system, which I, as a web developer, built out for him this past spring, the benefits of selling per-issue subscriptions, and the Berlin-based collective that Kai helped set up that produces some big titles in independent publishing. This episode is brought to you by Subsale, the new platform I'm building for independent magazines. Subsale lets you sell per-issue subscriptions just like off-screen, which you can set up and have selling on your website in minutes. Subsell also provides a brilliant overview of your subscriber base with powerful filtering to drill down into your data, a new feature I launched last week. It's now really easy to see subscribers who have spent over $50 live in Australia and have brought your fourth issue, if you ever wondered that. Head on to subsell.com to get started. That's S-U-B-S-A-I-L.com. Now on with the show. Hi Kai, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all well. Um, a bit under the weather, but <coughs> powering through. Yeah, same here. <laughs> okay, um, so for anyone who doesn't know off screen, um, can you just give a brief intro into the magazine and um, yeah, maybe a bit about your latest issue which you launched last week? Sure. Um, Offscreen is uh, an independent magazine that I launched about five years ago. We're up to issue 17 now. Uh, and it's a magazine that um, gives a thoughtful, human-centered take on technology and the web. So I basically interview people from the tech and the web sphere about what they do, why they do it, um, and how they do it. Um, and I guess it's a bit of a slow uh, a slow-moving, slow-paced approach to, or counterbalance to um, the fast-paced, um, the fast-paced coverage of tech and and and, and new new media um, that we have on the web. So it's intentionally slow. It comes out in print only. There's no digital version. Um, yeah, and I've been doing it since um, 2012. Um, recently went through a revamp, which I'm pretty sure we're talking about later, and. Um, it's just me here, so there's not a huge team. I'm doing pretty much everything from publishing to editing to designing the thing and um, running the website and social media and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so issue 16 was the first of your latest rebrand. You've gone through a few different phases of the magazine, but this was like a bigger like a shift, I guess. Um, can you, yeah, what, what was the main idea behind your rebrand? I think the word was probably not that well chosen because it's it was more than a rebrand. I called it a rebrand because I find it really hard to uh, describe what I wanted to do. So after um, four and a half years or so, um, obviously the, the magazine has evolved over time, but I felt like it's it's always been small increments of change rather than a big sweeping overhaul. And after four and a half years, I on one side, I felt a little bit tired of what I was doing. I wanted to um, start from from scratch, basically. Um, but also, uh, more importantly, I would say the re the revamp or the rebrand 
was uh, a good opportunity for me to um, look at the technical setup behind the scenes. So the website and uh, what I do with orders as they come in and how I, how I process them, how I deliver data, how I um, allow people to sign up for the, uh, subscribe to the magazine. In the past, I had pretty much like every other publisher had a yearly subscription, which meant that you would buy three issues in advance and then would have to come back a year later to resubscribe to the magazine, which is, you know, pr pretty okay. It's great. It, it works okay. Um, but a lot of people don't uh, come back. They forget or they um, get, you know, don't, don't remember to, to uh, uh, read their emails or open their emails. They buy it at a shop sometimes and then eventually you lose them as a subscriber. So one of the big reasons for the, the rebrand or the revamp was um, to rebuild the entire backend of the website that allows me to create an ongoing subscription system where people can uh, buy the current issue and then subscribe to future issues on an ongoing basis, meaning you give me your credit card details and I um, basically charge you every single time a new issue comes out and you can just set it once and forget it and you always automatically receive the new issue. Uh, so, yes, so you moved to um, single issue, like renewing subscriptions. What was what do you see as the benefits uh, compared to like uh, a batch of uh, issues like most publishers sell? It's a, it's a good question because I think a lot of times when we buy magazines, we still think in, in yearly subscriptions. When, when I tell my friends, you know, you should get a subscription, they think yearly, not, not per issue or uh, in smaller increments. And so I think the step to go to, to move to a per issue subscription is, wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure whether that would work and I'm still not, um, the jury is still out. I'm not hundred percent sure whether it, it will take, take off as I planned, but the idea would be to, first of all, have a, have a smaller. Uh, hurdle to jump so if you subscribe to a magazine and you're not sure whether you like it or not getting four or three or whatever issues you, you produce uh, per year buying those uh, issues up front um, is a, it's quite a big charge a big upfront charge and a lot of people are a bit scared off by that I think um, and so the idea was to do it per issue so you have a smaller entry smaller hurdle to entry to, to get the first issue um, but also as a convenience, from a convenience perspective, you can also just cancel anytime and just set it, forget, forget about it and keep getting issues until you decide you wanted to cancel it. Because with yearly subscriptions, there's always a bit of a question mark where around, uh, when did I start doing it? When, when, is, the, when is the yearly subscription renewing? Uh, do I have to renew it manually? Do I have to do it over, the, over email, through, through the mail? And so um, I, I thought I approached the subscription process more like a software um, subscription or an app subscription. So similar to, um, to your Dropbox account or your Adobe Creative Cloud, you basically sign up, you set your subscription tier. Um, so whether you want, it's just a standard subscription or you want to pay a little bit more to get, um, I, have, I think at the moment I have four different tiers. So the standard subscription is the $20 per issue subscription where you get uh, just the, the, the issue by itself every time it comes out and the supporter subscription is the next level up where you pay a little bit more ten dollars more and get um, a small yearly gift um, after three issues um, and then the third uh, level was a, is a patron subscription where you pay fifty dollars per issue and you get your name printed in the back of the magazine but also shown on the website and then the fourth uh, tier is a patron plus subscription where you pay eighty dollars and you get the same as a normal patron subscription, but you get three issue, three copies of every issue. So it's a bit complicated to explain, but I think when you go on the website, you realize that there's, um, it's pretty easy to understand uh, how the subscription system works. And so 
having mm. ongoing subscriptions obviously a lot easier for me as a publisher because um, I roughly know how many people will buy the next issue and uh, it's easier to plan uh, compared to people that buy it uh, one year in advance and then might or may or may not come back the year afterwards right um, <clears throat> so yeah like the single issue subscriptions is something I've built into subsell because I also see the value in this like different well, it seems like a modern subscription offering um, <clears throat> and yeah I think having just just the simplicity of you know that you're buying the next one every time and not have to worry about it I think that's a bonus for both the publisher and the customer um, <clears throat> what did you um, so when you're building out your subscription platform, which which we did together, um, how what kind of difficulties were there, um, and what kind of challenges did you see when building a platform that had to serve you and the customer for mm. managing all the subscription data? Well, there's there's so many loose ends. <clears throat> I find. Um, I mean, we had, we spent a lot of time just figuring out what um, payment method. Uh, or what payment provider we can use so whether it was paypal or stripe or braintree or one of the uh, many other ones that are available because every single one has certain limitations um, obviously paypal is pretty uh, popular still and so we wanted to make sure that people uh, that don't have a credit card can still use paypal but then uh, you know using uh, stripe for example um, offers a lot of flexibility but stripe as a, as a uh, as a product doesn't include PayPal, so it's quite it's quite complicated. So the payment thing was was one thing this, to figure out. Um, a really difficult, um, tricky thing to to also um, come to terms with is how the data is being processed in the background and how orders are being processed as I export them in the system and I, as I send them to my fulfillment company in Berlin. So when you know when is an order uh, marked as sent? Uh, can I edit shipping or, or billing details before and after that that happens? Um, and then, of, of course, um, do you allow, do you, do you build a, a system where uh, your subscribers can uh, log in and can edit their own data, can edit their own shipping uh, address details? Um, so there's lots of sides to it. Of course, um, at the end, you're trying to build a checkout that's really smooth and it doesn't com complicate, overcomplicate things. But there's a lot of things that need to happen in the background, as you know. And um, how long did it take us to build the whole thing? Was it? six months four months i can't remember yeah it was yeah between four and six something like that yeah so there's you know and a lot of times we answered questions as we were building the thing i think i, I produced mm. a 20 plus page um, developer documentation but it, it really only answered the basics and then you really had to sort of figure out things as we were developing them and yeah fixing things as, as things were breaking so so compared to someone who who uses like an off-the-shelf uh, shopping system like Shopify or Squarespace, you have a huge advantage in that you can, you've basically determined how you want things to work as orders come in and as orders go out the other side. Um, but that came at a cost, obviously, and you had you raised some money. Yeah, um, so, you know, coming from the web and tech world, I, I know that um, getting custom systems built is always the most expensive uh, option and um, and so one of the reasons one of the main reasons why I decided to go with a crowdfunding campaign which I started in August I think it was August last year uh, was to uh, get funding to find to, to find additional money to basically uh, pay you and pay um, people that would uh, help me with the front end my, the website of off screen 
Um, and so that was a large part of the money that I raised that went straight to you know developing the back end and developing the front end of the, of the website. Um, so yeah, so the rebranding, the money that I raised for rebranding was really money that I raised to build software um, because it is quite expensive mm. and it's time consuming. And so I raised, I think, $20,000 or $21,000 in total. And, uh, you know, I think 80% of that went straight to um, software development and yeah, uh, license fees and, and all that sort of stuff. So it is expensive, but I think um, Offscreen is a magazine where most people buy it online. Most, most of my readers, most of my customers, I guess, come through the website. And I want that experience to be as, as ideal, as smooth and as, as you know, uncomplicated as possible and so i think for me personally i think it was worth the money i'm not sure if it's if it mm. applies equally to other magazines probably not if you if you most of the sales come through a newsstand or through some distribution channels then you you might want to spend that money more effectively in that area but for me i think the the benefit of having a really good system online is that if you set it up once it just you know serves new customers all the time you don't have to reinvest that money all the time and so um, mm. Yeah, I think for me it was definitely worth it. And and the subscriptions was a big part of that. So um, I'm guessing that has helped like pre-order quite a big chunk of issues for this last release. Uh, how many like um, subscription issues were there ready in the system? Um, so when when we when we launched the new system, um, I didn't. So we didn't have any any subscription because we basically. Um, um, killed the old system and said everyone who wants a subscription has to sign up from scratch again and so within the first I think six weeks after launching the new version um, I think I had about 600 or so subscribers and again not everyone just ordered a magazine lots of them were you know choosing from those different tiers and giving me a bit more money to support um, the magazine which was great because that's exactly what I wanted I wanted to um, offer people the choice to support me more than just buying the magazine uh, and I think at the moment I'm close to about a thousand. So it's about how many months afterwards? So we got, we're in August now, almost August. Um, five months later, I have, um, at about a thousand subscribers. Um, again, including, I think I ha have around a hundred patron subscribers. Um, and most of them are, are standard subscribers. So they just, they just subscribe to the, the issue, um, itself. Um, but yeah, so it's, there's definitely people coming, coming in new subscribers coming in every day. Um, and I guess my goal is to be somewhere around 2,500 mark, uh, at, I guess middle of next year. So a bit more than a year after the launch. Um, it's, it's an ambitious goal, but, um, <laughs> I think it's doable. It's, and it's great to see how, how people, um, respond to the new tiers. Um, so many people really want to support the magazine beyond just buying an issue. And now they can, they can just up, upgrade their subscription to a new, to, you know, a tier that, um, basically means they're giving me a bit more money per issue so that I can keep doing the magazine, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to be working, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I think there's always, and it's, yeah. Yeah. I think there's always, I mean, I definitely got a, a few emails with questions. Um, you know, some, some people were just confused about how the subscription thing works. Obviously not the majority, but I probably had about 10 to 15 emails in the first few days after launching where, People were a bit confused about, you know, is when I start a subscription, does it mean I have to um, buy the current issue separately, or is it included? And and so there's a few, obviously, because it's a new a new way of thinking about magazine subscriptions. Again, as I said before, a lot of people think about magazine subscriptions in in years. They don't think in per issue, but on a per issue basis. And so I think there's definitely some some 
general rules to break before we get people to understand the concept and to really embrace it. But I think once you go, once once you went through the checkout process once, and once you received your confirmation email that again explains how it works, I think people are uh, on board with it, and it's it's nice to allow people. That, so we also developed um, a custom um, an account section where where subscribers can then log in and and can manage their account and can cancel their subscription. They can upgrade or downgrade their subscription. And so I think having that peace of mind, that, that, that sort of extra level of control is really appreciated by my readers as well. Mm. Yeah, I think it was a <clears throat> great idea. And I think we, we uh, did a good job in the executing. Obviously, your leadership <laughs> meant that happened. Um, oh, so I think this... you've done a fantastic job. Come on, oh. you've got to give yourself oh. some credit <laughs> here. You've done an amazing job. I think it's, uh, yeah. it, show, it really shows that you understand how magazines work because I think going to any other developer, um, I would have had to explain you know, the idea of magazine subscriptions, of shipping and fulfillment a lot more. Um, but because you're already so present and so involved and engaged in this industry, you, you pretty much knew exactly you know, what to do. It's, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it was a good project. I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, your latest issue came out last week. Um, how did that go? How how did uh, putting that together come along? Yeah, it's it feels like I'm back in my in my routine now. I guess uh, yeah. the last issue, the number sixteen, the one that came out with the new website and everything, felt a bit more of a jump because it was brand new and people were really anticipating the new design and. And now, obviously, with the the, the second issue in in, in, in this design um, language, it's it feels like I'm I'm back to sort of my normal routine where it's more about you know getting content together and and, and putting putting everything together rather than completely starting from scratch and designing everything uh, uh, from zero. But I think it went okay. Um, I think at the moment, uh, with with summer being uh, sorry, with Europe being in in a summer break, uh, I think it's generally a bit slower. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that. Um, pick up on their on their emails and on their magazine subscriptions once they come back from the holidays so it's um yeah i'm not i'm not worried about it being a bit slower than usual um the production itself was was smooth i had some wets because we were trying new binding techniques and new materials with the with the previous uh, issue um because we're doing the same thing again this time it, it went a lot smoother and there was a lot less anxiety around how around how it would mm. turn out so that was great can you can you just go into detail about your binding method that you you changed for 16 yeah sure. you had some issues there with with the first print run yeah um so one thing and the germans have a really beautiful name for it so one thing that i really hate about most <laughs> magazines including my own magazine up to issue 16 was that um the the perfect binding the typical standard binding of a magazine is um has a lot of tension in it so meaning when when you open it, it it really wants to close again and the germans have a beautiful word for it called klammerwirkung it's uh, translated to uh, the peg effect so it snaps back together uh, and i was discussing with my printer whether there's a better way of binding a magazine that allows the magazine to lay flat when you when you open it because that's really nice when you you know open read a magazine during lunch or breakfast or whatever and you can put it in front of you and you can just read it without using your hands and so there's a few different options. There's not many, but there's a couple of different options at least. And um, and so we were trying uh, a few different ones. Um, the one that we ended up using is called this, the Open Spine Swiss Brochure Binding, which basically means that you're detaching the cover from the spine 
and when you open the first when you open the cover the first page you you see the spine is exposed which a lot of people were a bit confused about because they thought it was it was sort of unfinished <laughs> or even mm-hmm. broken because it, it it really shows you the spine and the glue um and you can see some photos on on the off-screen website of course but um it has the effect that the exactly the the, the uh, the desired effect that when you open any page in the magazine, it lays flat. Um, but when we first tried it, um, tried issue 16, uh, we added a, uh, a tape on the back of the spine to hide the ugly kind of um, the glue bit and, and, and where the stitches are and everything. But that, that tape had, again, a bit added a bit of a peg effect, a bit of a Klammerwirkung to the magazine. And so it actually, you know, um, removed the nice... Um, feature of the binding method so that you still had to sort of mm-hmm. use your hands and so the problem was that we had to figure out a way of of, of getting it perfect and um, it took us a few try a few attempts and so there was quite a few issues at the beginning but now we figured out the the best way of doing it and it's always a bit tricky because it it really depends on not just um, the binding but also the paper how heavy it is um, you know how, how big the magazine is because if smaller if the magazine is smaller the that peg effect the closing effect is a lot stronger than with bigger magazines. And so you really never know 100% until you produce, you mass produce uh, the first issue because only then you, you know what materials, um, what the different different materials would be like and feel like. And yeah, so there was a bit of disappointment at the at the beginning and uh, basically had to go <laughs> back to the printer and, and, and we've had to figure out a solution. But uh, I think I was yeah really happy with issue 16 and issue 17 as well. Um, there's always a few things that I, I wish I had um, done differently. For example, with issue 17, the, the color is a bit oversaturated on the cover. So I was, you know, there's always a few things that I, in retrospect, could have done better. But, you know, that's just the nature of print. Mm. I think as a, a one-man team, well, <clears throat> I think you do extremely well in how, how you produce the magazine. It's always a, a class product when it oh, comes thanks. out. Thanks. <clears throat> um, so yeah, you mentioned your printer there. Your printer is part of like a collective that you helped create called Heftwerk, um, which also produces a ton of other like amazing magazines. Um, what's the origin story behind that group of companies, and uh, what yeah, what what do they do? Yeah, you you put it perfectly um, well there. Like Heftwerk is not a company; it's just a, a sort of a network of of two companies really, and plus me. So I'm I'm the the third link in that in that thing um it, it emerged from basically me looking for a printer and a shipper in berlin that would be able to communicate to get, uh, together and and be able to work together to get the magazine uh, sent to my uh, to my readers so when i first started off screen i was looking for a printer in berlin which there are plenty of um, but i was also looking for a company that would store the finished product and would send out uh, the magazine to um, to a database of readers that I would supply them with every week or so. And I uh, stumbled across this company called OML, which is, uh, I guess, traditionally more of a direct marketing slash um, um, uh, letter shop. Um, and uh, But they're now, because newspapers are slowly dying, uh, they've sort of shifted focus a bit more on, on, on publishing and fulfillment services. And and so they, they said, you know, we can, we can help you, we can do that. And um, after the first issue was printed uh, again in Berlin, I uh, had all the magazines trucked to the company um, also on the other side of Berlin, um, OML, and they basically stored them, sent out the magazines. I was really happy with how everything turned out. 
And um, after, you know, after doing a couple of issues, we, or three or four issues, we decided to make it a bit more official, give it a name and uh, let other people, other publishers of indie magazines know that um, this is what we're doing. And um, yeah, I think early, was it early this year or late last year, I redesigned the website and kind of made it a bit more organized, um, try to be a bit more clear about what, what it is we're doing. And, and so again, Hefwork is just, um, it's basically just a brand, a name that, um, under which we, we operate. Uh, but once you decide to print your magazine with Hefwork, um, the, the, comp the printer, which is called Medialis, uh, they will take over, they print your magazine, so you're a customer of Medialis. And then if you decide to also ship or store your magazine with OML, then they hand over your, your magazine to OML and then you become a, a customer of OML. Um, and so it's just a yeah it's just it's just a network of companies and I'm I'm just there to kind of run the website answer emails and um, every now and then I I uh, schedule a, a Skype talk with um, with fledgling um, publishers who want to know what I've done with Offscreen and hopefully can answer some questions. Yeah, and uh, you recently added the list of all the magazines that use the system, or the yeah, and uh, it's quite a, a decent list. Can you just go, yeah. go through a few of the magazine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not all of the magazines that are listed on that side are um, current customers. Some of them try it um, once, and you know, to be honest, um, it really only makes sense to print in German in Berlin if you also keep most of the magazines in Berlin. So, for example, if you're based in, in Australia and you just want to print in Berlin, and then have all the magazines shipped back on a pallet to um, Sydney, it's the shipping is just so expensive that it doesn't make much sense. So, some 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 publishers have tried it and found it not to be economic, uh, economical. Um, but yeah, the best way of doing it for me personally is to just have it printed in Berlin and have it stored and shipped from there. And so, um, some of the other magazines um, that are doing both the shipping and the printing is Hello Mister, um, pretty uh, prominent title from New York. Um, Ryan Fitzgibbons, who's been I think he started the magazine pretty much in the same in the same year, same quarter even. Um, as me and um, been doing a really good job at keeping it going. Um, there's Holo Magazine, which is a, a, a really interesting magazine about um, art and, and digital, um, uh, yeah, digital, uh, yeah, digital art projects, I guess. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. There's um, a Nang, uh, a really interesting uh, publication coming out of South Korea, which I helped uh, or advised or consulted with uh, for a while as well. Um, there's quite a few magazines coming out of Melbourne that are part of it. Um, Process Journal, um, Nourished, um, yeah, Alpine Review, Canadian, really chunky, hefty Canadian magazine. The Great Discontent, a New York uh, publication, has done a special edition of their first issue, which they printed in Berlin and ship out of there. Yeah, yeah. it's a nice, nice little selection. <laughs> uh, it's got an impressive list. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, what's what's next for Offscreen? Do you have um, any more changes up your sleeve? What's I know what's next for me. I'm going on holiday. I'm going on a five <laughs> to six week holiday, uh, starting in two weeks. So I, I think last year, between raising the money and launching the f first issue in the new design, was uh, was just crazy. It was you know so busy and. Um, I, in retrospect, I, I don't really know how I actually got it done. Uh, redesigning the magazine, redesigning the website, and working on the back end, um, and doing the crowdfunding campaign. Um, part of the crowdfunding campaign was also sending out a, a weekly diary email to all my backers, and so I was doing that plus my weekly dispatch email that I send out. Um, 
yeah, it's been a busy 12 months. And so I'm really looking forward to a break. And then after the break, I guess uh, back to publishing issues uh, 18. <laughs> um, got a few ideas around other things that off-screen can morph into, whether it's an event or um, some sort of, I don't want to say podcast because everyone's doing podcasts now, but I've been thinking about other ways of, of engaging um, with with readers and also with um, you know more, more contributors and more interviewees. But I'm not sure, to be honest. I think I'm pretty happy with uh, just keeping it going uh, on, a, on a sort of slow cooker mode and let it just... Yeah, let it slow, let it grow slowly, and and see where I'm at in a, in about a year's time. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. To be honest, I'm I'm always sort of creatively uh, discontent uh, because I always want to do mm-hmm. so many other things. And maybe once off screen is has once there's enough subscribers to um, to fund or to to you know uh, be able to support another person, I'd love to get uh, an editor. Or yeah, maybe a sub editor or editor on board to help help me with publishing off screen and um, free me up a little bit more during the week so I can um, play around with a few more ideas and maybe launch another project or two. Cool, sounds good. Do you have any magazines that you're reading at the moment you'd just like to mention right at the end? Oh wow, well, now you caught me out. Um, I haven't really <laughs> spent much time reading a mag. Um, first of all, I'm not really good at um, reading a lot of things. I'm, I'm always reading so much stuff online. I, I barely get a chance to, mm. to read books. Um, but I have started a new book um, two two days or three days ago, and it's called um, Utopia for Realists. And I've been really uh, happy with my choice. It's been a great book. Um, other than other than that, I've, I've, I've I constantly receive magazines. Um, of, of other from other publishers so we swap a lot of issues um, and uh, a few recent swaps included um, Anxie magazine um, coming out of uh, I think San Francisco uh, it's I haven't really had a chance to read um, uh, much of it but it, it looks it's, it looks like a really high quality piece of work um, a lot of really interested interesting uh, people involved in that uh, and then uh, yes two days ago or yesterday I received uh, the good newspaper which is uh, a print version of uh, the Good News, I think it's called. Um, it's a, a podcast and a newsletter. I can't remember his name now, but but a really friendly, really uh, happy-go-lucky guy who's just focusing on on sharing positive news. And he decided to run a Kickstarter and uh, launch a, a newspaper with filled just with positive news. And um, so the first issue came out, I think, six weeks ago or so, and it finally made its way to Australia. So I received that yesterday, and it's on my pile to check out. Yeah. Cool. All right. <clears throat> Thanks for the chat. Um, good luck with your uh, next issue and, of course, your holiday. Um, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Good luck with the uh, subsale as well. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. I really enjoyed chatting with Kai and hope you enjoyed listening. You can find all previous episodes at magheroes.net and you can subscribe to the podcast in any podcasting app. Just search for Magheroes. I'm DR on Twitter and you can find the show as Magheroes. If you're a publisher looking for a better way to sell subscriptions of your magazine, head right over to subsale.com. And thanks again for listening. Catch you again next week. Cheers. <laughs>